What is going on, 930? How are you? Give Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on, he is worthy of it all. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold, and my adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church together. We are a team. I'm happy to announce that next week she will be communicating. And uh, she, listen, so we're in a series uh, called The Lineage. We're talking about Christmas, like leading up to Christmas. And when I met my wife, Tanya, I was like, wow, you really do Christmas, like, intense. Like, no one does Christmas like Tanya Harold. So uh, she is going to be talking about the anticipation of Christmas next Sunday. And she, if, if you've never heard her communicate, um, you're welcome to come. But when you come back, because you will come back, but when you come back, you cannot judge me to her. She's just on another level, which is why, she, why, she, why I am a pastor that allows my wife to speak in church. I believe the church should have a mother's voice and a father's voice, not just a father's voice. And so, now that might rub some of you the wrong way. If it does, then we can, we can talk about it. But um, I believe the church needs to have both parents' voice, and she gets to, and she's so good at it. If she was bad at it, she probably wouldn't. No, we would still need a mother's voice. <laughs> we don't do things in life based on our ability. We just let God show up and do his ability, right? So she is, she is, I can't wait to see what God gives her for next Sunday. Okay, so before I get to preaching, because I'm just warming up, uh, before I get to preaching, I have to say something. This last week, the leadership team and I sat down. And um, we talked about kind of the stress of Christmas. Like, we realized that Christmas can be stressful. And so we wanted to, to kind of make an announcement this morning that's twofold. One, if you are stressed because of your finances uh, at Christmas time and you don't know how you're going to provide for your family at Christmas time, we, the church specializes in help meeting people's needs. I believe that. Uh, when you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. But this year, we want to do something just a little bit different. So I'm a connector by nature. Like, I, I, I will naturally, if I meet you for the first time, I'm, at, like, I'm finding out who you know so that if there's anyone else that I know that needs to know you, I can connect the two of you. That's just the way my brain works. And um, I've tried to turn it off at times, and it just doesn't, doesn't turn off. So um, I try to connect people. And, and if you need to know somebody that I know, then I'm going to tell you about them. And so um, what I want to do this year is I want to connect families that, that have the ability to provide with the families that need a little help. And so if you need a little help this Christmas— email us at hello at refugemain.church. Listen, I know that it's going to require some courage. It's okay. You just hit enter, right, to, to hit send on an email. That's all I'm asking you to do. Um, and then if you have the ability to help someone in need this year, maybe God has been extraordinarily generous to you this year, and you want to share that with someone else, send, me, send us an email at hello at refugemain.church. So one email says, I'm stressed. I don't know how I'm going to provide. 
another email says, I can help provide for somebody. So um, that's the first kind of announcement this morning that wasn't on the news. And then the second thing was, is that a couple months ago, I say a couple months ago, probably six months ago, we raised money for a book called God's Best Kept Secret. Um, for, sorry, it was for my friend and our friend, Mark Malding, who wrote the book God's Best Kept Secret. Mark came and spoke in April uh, and did a fantastic job talking about forgiveness. By the way, you can go and listen to all of our previous uh, messages on refugemain.church slash message. Um, but Mark came and he spoke and he's written a book called God's Best Kept Secret. But we noticed that that book wasn't available on Audible. And so we were like, people love to listen to books. And so we were like, we can help him provide. We can help him pay for that. And so we raised money, about $2,000, to pay for him to get that book on Audible. I'm happy to announce today that book is available on Amazon.com. Audible. If you're looking for something to give someone for Christmas, there is no greater gift than God's Best Kept Secret. And, um, and so if you, if you download it, listen to it, and you haven't already read it, um, just write a quick Amazon review for Mark, uh, because we want to be stewards of our investment, good stewards of our investment. And the way that we can be good stewards of our investment is to propel that into um, the algorithm of people, right? Um, so that they see it, they hear about it, and they download it and just get God's best kept secret out. Because God's best kept secret is that Jesus wants to live in us and through us. And that message changed my life. That message hopefully has changed yours. It has definitely impacted our church. And so we want to use that to impact this world. All right, now I'm ready to preach. So today we are in a series that we're calling The Lineage. Uh, we started it last Sunday. It's an Advent series talking about lineage. I told you last Sunday that our big idea for last week, and really that will carry us through this entire series is one that was so beautifully sung in that first song that we sang today. We needed him, and he came. We need him still, and he's coming again. One of the things that I miss, not, I don't know about y'all, but me, I miss, at Christmas time, is I miss the opportunity to look for God's, for Jesus' second coming. Like, he proved it to us long ago when he came into a manger and he's, that he's, he will come again. And if this world seems dark, I've got good news for you. Jesus is coming back and we're going to a much better place. He's going to take us with him. We're going to a much better place that there is no darkness. In fact, the scriptures teach us that the sun doesn't go down and the, the moon doesn't rise. Like, we don't need the moon and the, and the sun because Jesus is the light. He's coming again. And this, this year, at Christmas time, I want to just really communicate that he's coming back. And if some of you today, that might scare you. If it scares you, Man, I hope you pay attention today. Last week, I also talked about something called the Jesse tree. The Jesse tree is an Advent tradition where um, you can get ornaments 
and you can hang them on your tree. Uh, and it's out of Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, which we're going to read in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. If you want to follow along in today's notes, uh, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. Our screens will tell you how to get to the, all of today's notes. I will warn you, I have a lot of scripture today. Um, and so the best thing for you, uh, like I love using my paper Bible because this is, listen, everyone has one of these, right? But this is mine. So I love to have my own paper Bible. So hopefully you do. But sometimes it's just easier to follow um, the notes on, on the screen in the YouVersion Bible app. So um, before I read the word, let's ask the Father to join our conversation. Can I do that? Father, I thank you so much for the tools you give us to learn who you are. Most importantly, Father, for your word that is alive, active, sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces our soul and spirit, dividing the joint and the marrow, showing us who you want us to be. Father, I pray today that your word would show us who we are in Christ Jesus. And Father, if we've never come to you as our Savior... Lord, I pray that you would um, point us to who you want us to be. Father, I pray for um, all distraction to disappear from this room as we focus on you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One of the things that stood out to me in last week's message was that the Jesse tree, which I, just, I had just mentioned about, the Jesse tree is used to show people that couldn't, like back in medieval times, it was used to show people that couldn't read the creation story all the way leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so maybe you went home and you went on Etsy. Any of the ladies go, any fellas, can you attest that your woman went home and looked on Etsy for the ornaments and the new, new, new Advent tradition? Today we're going to talk more about that stump of Jesse. Read it with me in, cha in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, I'm going to be all over the place today. We're going to be in Isaiah just now. I think I'm going to First um, Samuel in just a moment, then we'll be in Genesis, Luke, Matthew, we're going to be all over. So, um, but the reason for this is because any time in Scripture that it appears to be a contradiction, I want you to know this morning that when you dig into what appears to be the contradiction, it proves that it's not false, but it's true. But sometimes it requires a little bit of, of digging. And so last week I talked about why, or that this week, I would explain for you why that is a stump and not a tree. Now, most of the time when we talk about a lineage, we picture a tree, a family tree, right? And so, but, but in Isaiah, he doesn't call it a family tree of Jesse. He calls it a family stump of Jesse. So today, I want to explain to you why that is and I want you to see that God's word is always consistent. 
that God's word doesn't contradict itself. It leads me to today's big idea. Today's big idea, if I have one thing I want to communicate this morning, it's this one thing. Jesus' lineage included moments of darkness. What makes us believe that our lives would be without it? The lineage of Jesus had moments of darkness. What makes me believe that my family is going to be perfect? What makes me think that everything is going to be lights and um, roses and butterflies and all these things? This super easy life. The fact is, is that even moments of Jesus' lineage, it appears like God is absent. Maybe you're here this morning and you think that God is absent in your life. I want you to know today he's not. So today we're talking a little bit about those moments when it appears like God is absent. Isaiah says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That stump comes from a dark moment in the tribe of Judah. Now, I don't have a lot of time to discuss the 12 tribes of Israel this morning. That was something that I learned in my Old Testament survey class, right? Um, but the 12 tribes of Israel are the, come from the 12 sons of Jacob. So we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Each one of those sons are labeled a tribe. This tribe that we're talking about is from the tribe of Judah. One of Jacob's sons' name was Judah. So this morning, I've got four things along the way that I want to teach you about darkness, about moments of darkness in our lives. The first thing that I want to show you in moments of darkness Remember that our actions have consequences. In the moments of darkness, remember that my actions have consequences. Now, sometimes those actions are good. Guess what the consequences are of good actions? Good consequences, right? Mary Tanya, that was a great action. And my life has been filled of wonderful consequences as a result. Actions have consequences. Sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of time, the darkness that we experience are, is a result of our poor choices. But also, the opposite is true. The good choices that we make, it brings light into our consequences. Let me show you a little bit more what I'm talking about in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Because Israel makes a choice in 1 Samuel chapter 8. What's happening is judges ruled over Israel at this time. Now, these weren't judges like court judges that de determine a, a sentence. These were judges that ruled over people. It says this, Samuel was the judge at the time. Verse 5, 
says, look, they told them. So they is the, peop- the leaders of Israel. So Israel comes to, to Samuel, who's the judge, and says, look, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Verse 7, do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. God never wanted Israel to have a king, but he gave them one when they asked for one. Can I point out three things that this teaches me about God's character? Three things I see about the character of God in this granting of this poor request is number one, God grants my request even when they don't align with his will. There are things that I want when I want them. And God says, fine, Adam, have your way. See what that gets you. But God is the type of God that will give you what you ask for, even if it's not what he has for your life. I don't know about you, but man, he is crazy. Like sometimes, doesn't, like as you learn the character of God, sometimes don't you want to say to yourself, man, what a foolish God is he? But his foolishness isn't foolishness, it's greatness. It's good. Because he loves us. The second thing that I learn about him is that he is able to use my rejection for his glory. Maybe you've been rejecting him long enough and he just wants to shine bright for you today to bring glory to himself, not to you. Glory is never about us. The third thing that I see about God in this passage in 1 Samuel is that he loves me even when I don't love him. God grants my request when it doesn't align with his will. He's able to use my rejection for his glory, and he loves me even when I don't love him. What a great God he is. The second thing I want you to see about moments of darkness this morning is that in moments of darkness, remembering God's promises will provide some light. There are things that God promises us in our lives that when even consequences come and we remember those things that he's given us or that he's told us, it can bring some light to our lives. So in moments of darkness, remembering God's promises provides some light. Look at Genesis chapter 49. Because this this just amazes me. That last song that we sang or maybe it was the second song that we sang, um, Defender. It says, you go before me. 
God always goes before us. He knows before what we're going through. Let me show it to you in scripture. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter will not depart from who? Judah. Judah. Nor will the rulers staff his descendants until the coming of the one whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Before Israel asked God for a king in 1 Samuel, in Genesis, he told them that the king will always reign in Judah. He knew before it happened that they would want a king. The promise here is that the scepter will not depart from Judah. This promise reminds me of a story by, of a man by the name of Abraham, whose name was Abram before it was Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, Abram is lying in his tent. You see, he has this problem. His wife, Sarai, who is later on named Sarah, can't conceive a baby. And he's lying in his tent, and he's praying, and he's saying, God, please, just give me a son. I just want a son. And God says to Abraham, son, step out of your tent. Look in the sky. You see the stars? That's how many descendants I am going to give you. And it was a promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. This is the same type of promise to Judah, that the scepter will never depart from the bloodline. Now, I am setting up something that I hope you're paying attention to. Because darkness is about to come. Because even in the midst of darkness, when we remember God's promises, it gives us hope. So what is a scepter? Well, a scepter is just imperial rule. According to Webster, it's, the, it's royalty. It's kingship. That kingship will never depart from Judah is what, um, one of the, what, what Genesis tells us. I forgot which verse it was. So the question is, how does this become a stump of Jesse? And why is it a stump and not a tree? Well, to find this, you have to go to another prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Now remember that Prophets in the, in the Bible were people that God allowed to see what he was doing so that they could report to Israel. And then some of them wrote books. The major prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, those books are long. The reason why we call them major prophets, you know why? It's because their books are longer than the minor prophets like Hosea and Amos and things like that. And so Jeremiah is another major prophet. And in Jeremiah chapter 22, watch what Jeremiah says in verse 28. Jeremiah is prophesying about the Babylonian exile. This is a dark time in Israel. 
Verse 28 says, why is this man Jehoiakim like a descendant, I'm sorry, like a discarded broken jar? What, what a great explanation for a man. Bro, you're nothing but a discarded broken jar. Like you want a, you want a, good, you want a good burn on somebody? Like I know kids don't say burn anymore. Or dis? Do you guys say? Do kids say dis anymore? You're like a discarded, broken jar, bro. <laughs> I'm using that one on Graham later today. <laughs> Keep reading. Why are you? Why are he and his children to be exiled to a foreign land? Oh, earth, earth! Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Let. The record show that this man, Jehoiakim, was childless. He's a failure. For none of his children will succeed him on the throne of David to rule over who? Judah. Judah. Hold up. I thought Genesis... Chapter 49 said that the scepter would never depart from Judah. What is going on? See, Pastor Adam, I told you you can't trust the Bible. It said one thing there and then another thing here. This was a dark day, no doubt. The family tree now becomes a stump. Because the bloodline is cut off, chopped in half. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, cannot be king because it is a stump of Jesse, not a tree. If it's a tree of Jesse, then Joseph is in line to be the king of Israel. Do you realize this? That Joseph, the husband of Mary, the father, earthly father of Jesus, was supposed to be king of Israel? But the Babylonian exile takes place. And when the Babylonian exile takes place, God says, Jehoiakim, you're a failure. Nebuchadnezzar has invaded Israel and captured them and took them out of Israel, the promised land, the land that I wanted them to have, taking them out of there, and because you have failed, your son won't be king. Can you imagine what Jehoiakim must have felt like? A father that had failed so much that his son, who is supposed to be a prince and be the next king, would not reign? Can you imagine the emptiness? Can you imagine the failure? But watch what God does with darkness. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. This is known as the genealogy of Jesus. Verse 12 says, after the Babylonian exile. You didn't notice that before today, did you? I know I didn't notice it because I didn't notice it until I studied it. After the Babylonian exile, 
Jehoiakim was the father of Sheetil? What? Pastor Adam, you just read. I told you. The Bible can't be trusted. It said that Jehoiakim would be childless, but now it says that he had a son named Sheetil? Which is it? In order to answer this, you have to pay attention to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 22 says, let the record show that he was childless. It doesn't say that he was childless. In Hebrew, in Jeremiah chapter 22, the original language there, it says to decree that he was childless. So it's set up like he was childless, but he wasn't childless. Number three, the third thing that we see about darkness is in times of darkness, remind us that sin has a price tag. Sin has a price tag. Notice, this is different than consequences, than actions have consequences. Sin, wrong things that we do, always have a price tag, and that price tag is too much for me to pay, which is why Jesus had to pay it for me. But it's why he's the perfect price to pay what God was expecting, to get rid of my sin that separated me from a father that loves me so much. Sin always has a price tag. The sin of Israel was disobedience and rejection. And God said, fine, you won't be king anymore. You won't have a king anymore. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. I just love how it, the writer in Hebrews points out how perfect the sacrifice of Jesus is. Hebrews 9, 14, just thank just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful desires so that we can worship the living God for by the power of eternal spirit of the internal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins so how in the world is Jesus the pure, a pure bloodline, if, if there's a stump of Jesse because of the disobedience, how is Jesus' blood pure? God is so brilliant. Enter the Virgin Mary. Now, for us, this seems weird. I'm standing here with goosebumps because I know exactly where I'm going. For us, this seems weird. But Joseph was from the tribe of Judah. Mary was also from the tribe of Judah. Let me show you. Many people believe that Matthew chapter 1 is the lineage of Joseph, the lineage of Jesus through Joseph. But Luke chapter 3, verse 23, says this. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old 
when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. Go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Pastor Adam, there's the third thing that you said in the Bible that contradicts itself. Who's Joseph's father? Is it Jacob or is it Heli? Which one is it? The Bible can't even get it right. Keep reading verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. So who is Joseph's father? Is it Heli in Luke or Jacob in Matthew? Well, let me ask you a question. Can a man have two dads? The answer is yes, actually. How do I know that? How do you know that, Pastor Adam? Well, because I have two dads. One's name is Bill. He's my biological father. He lives in Illinois. The other, his name is Ray. He's my wife's dad. He's my father-in-law. He lives in Maine. You see, when Luke wrote the book of Luke, he didn't have a word for father-in-law. So he just says he's his dad because everyone knew that he was his dad. And so Joseph has Jacob, who is his earthly father, his, his biological father, sorry, and Hali, who is his, mother, his father-in-law. Look at Luke 3, 31 through 32. Eliakim was the son of Malia. Malia was the son of Mena. Mena was the son of Metatha. Metatha was the son of Nathan. Nathan was the son of David. And David was the son of who? Jesse. You see, Jesse appears in Joseph's lineage as well as Mary's lineage. King David had a few different sons. His firstborn son's name was Solomon. Solomon was set to be the king of Israel. Solomon was the king of Israel. From Solomon comes Joseph. Joseph would have been king of Israel if not for the Babylonian exile. David's other son's name was Nathan. Nathan was not set to be king. But out of Nathan comes a virgin by the name of Mary. Therefore, the royal bloodline went through Solomon, not Nathan, but Jesus' bloodline goes through Nathan and Solomon. What amazes me about Jesse is that he's on both the father's side and the mother's side. Of Jesus. Joseph's side got cut off from the royal bloodline, making it a stump. Remember that curse that Jeremiah put on, or that Jeremiah talked about to Jehoiakim? 
In order to sit on David's throne as king of Israel, a man had to be both pure biological descendant of David and a member of Solomon's royal bloodline. But somehow, he had to sidestep that curse. He had to get away from it. When Joseph agreed to marry Mary, when he agreed to become her husband, he affected In effect, he adopted Jesus to be his son. He had to. In order to be Mary's husband, he had to agree to adopt Jesus. I hope if you're adopted this morning, I hope that you can find peace in the fact that God used a man that was adopted by an earthly father to bring forth salvation. But it goes on because because he adopted him. He was the legal son of Joseph, placing Jesus in the royal bloodline. It puts him in line to be king. Having no earthly father because God is Jesus' father. Jesus was the pure biological son of David through his mother Mary. Thus, Jesus meets both qualifications. To be of royal bloodline, but also to be pure. Something that amazes me about the Jewish tradition is that It is said in the Jewish custom, Jewish tradition, that in order to be a Jew, the only thing that you need is a Jewish mother. The saying actually goes that a Jewish soul is formed in the womb of a Jewish mother, meaning that your dad doesn't have to be Jewish in order for you to be Jewish. If your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish. This brings me to the fourth thing that I want to tell you about darkness today. In the midst of darkness, Jesus is the only light that makes any sense. He's the perfect, perfect light because he's pure. He fits exactly what God was looking for in a sacrifice, but he's also king. And he wants to reign in your life. Stand your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I am telling you, God's word is true. And I am telling you, he loves you more than anyone ever could. He's able to be trusted. And the reason he's able to be trusted is because he's king and he's pure. He's both God and man. And he's alive today. Maybe you're here this morning. You're going through a dark time. Maybe it just feels like your life, your whole life has been dark. 
I want you to know that maybe the reason it's dark is because you don't have light. The Bible says that in him is light and the light of man. I'm misquoting that. Totally butchered it, actually. I'll look it up for the next service, don't worry. If you want to find out what that verse was, come back. But he is the light. And he wants to shine in your life. But he doesn't shine where the light's not turned on. <laughs> you ever walk into a room? <laughs> you ever walk into a room that's dark and just expect it to be light all of a sudden? Wow, I really wish this room had light in it. And then come on, someone else comes in and turns on the switch. And then poof, there's light. You're like, oh, I wish I would have turned on the light. Well, guess what? This morning you get to do. You get to flip the light switch on. And when you receive Jesus into your life, he brings identity in who he designed you to be. And things start to make sense but he doesn't force himself on anyone. He only goes where he's welcome. Will you welcome him in this morning? If that's you, we're gonna open up doors to my right, your left. If for your next steps, that's what we call our next steps place. There are people in that room that want to pray with you, that want to help you receive this light that want to help you in your time of darkness. Father, I thank you. Oh God, I thank you for everyone that's here today. But Lord, more than that, I just thank you that you are the light of the world. And that when we receive you, we get to become the light of the world. And your word, your word tells us that a city on a hill cannot be hidden, which means that all of us here today, collective, that know Jesus as their savior, that we shine bright and that we cannot be hidden. Father, I thank you that darkness in Windham, Maine is no longer because the refuge church will shine bright we will not allow darkness to exist father i pray that if anyone is here that needs you i pray that they'd have the courage to talk some to somebody about inviting you into their life god we pray that you give us a great week as we proclaim the name of jesus in his name we pray